Hi, this is Taylor Stuber. And this is Sean Smithgall. We are both clinical pharmacists and faculty members at Auburn University Harrison School of Pharmacy, and we are your hosts for the Postgraduate Pharmacist. On the Postgraduate Pharmacist, we focus on preparing and obtaining postgraduate training positions. From current events to expert advice, you'll have up-to-date content related to postgraduate training. New episodes are released every other Monday, so don't forget to like or subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at PG Pharmacist or Instagram and LinkedIn at The Postgraduate Pharmacist. And don't forget to separate and stand out. As we head into the critical time of the residency application season, we wanted to bring you, our listeners, a two-part series on crafting your content. In this first part of this series, we'll discuss a basic forecast primer, as many of you may not be familiar with the portal. And then in part two, in two weeks from now, we'll bring in an expert to discuss letter of intent and all the key components that that entails. And you all know how much we love letter of intent, so we're really excited about that episode and being able to make sure you all can polish that thing before you send it out to programs, and it's as good looking as it possibly can be. So where do you want to start? You Let's start with forecasts. That's probably the biggest thing, has the most components, and most of our listeners are probably putting that together right now and trying to navigate forecasts. Can you kind of lead us through that? Yeah, so forecasts, it's a relatively simple tool to use. It's pretty user explanatory. It's self-explanatory. But basically, you'll be uploading all your materials there. That's where you'll be requesting letters of reference from the writers that you have requested letters from. You'll be uploading some of your extracurricular activities, your transcripts, all of those things, as well as your letter of intent when you go to apply to those programs. And that's where you'll also select which programs you're going to be sending your applications to. So everything is a kind of a one-stop shop, which makes it relatively nice and easy for formulating your applications, but can also present some difficulties or barriers. And it can be easy to mix up some of your applications. So you'll have to be careful when you're uploading those materials. And I think one way you can prevent that mix up is be very clear in your titling. You have to title everything that you do in forecasts from the letters of reference that you're sending to reference writers and that. So make sure you're very clear about the program so you know which program you're using and which letter of reference you're you're sending. Yeah, so I've, I thought we could kind of dive into each component of forecasts a little bit in detail. So starting with some of the general extracurricular activities, leadership, involvement, all those things that they are asked to enter. One of the questions I get frequently is, do I have to enter all of that if it's already on my CV? So what do you think, Sean? Well, I could tell you from my my student self would say, I'm not wasting the time doing this. This is going to take me forever. But my mature, wise adult self that it looks back retrospectively will say, oh, you absolutely need to put every single piece of information into those boxes and basically tear your CV apart and, and put it back into forecast. So... Why do you think that's so important? Well, first of all, I'm glad that your mature adult self has (laughs) grown from past experiences. But I agree with you that you do need to take the time to re-enter those things for a couple of reasons. One, 
forecast gives you the opportunity to kind of expand on those things a little bit. So something that might not be as clear on your CV or you're not able to provide details on, you can actually provide some details in forecasts, which I think can be helpful. The second thing is depending on the program you're applying to or whoever's reviewing your application, they might prefer to use the forecast method of looking at those types of things versus your CV, whereas some preceptors or people reviewing your application might prefer the opposite. So it doesn't matter which they use. It might have the same information, but just make sure it's available to whoever is is going to be reviewing your application. And the important thing too is when those forecast profiles get sent to these programs, that section is the first thing that shows up. Name, who you are, but then it, it, it doesn't show your CV first. It shows those sections. So if those sections aren't filled in or they're partially put in, that may be the first thing a program sees. They have to actually scroll down unless they change the formatting this year for some reason, but they usually have to scroll down to the bottom to see your CV. So do you think they should start entering that information now that they have access to forecasts or do you think they should wait or does it matter? I think they should start entering it now because it takes it takes a really long time. You can't just copy and paste things over like you were saying. It's a different format than your CV, and you have the opportunity to put the descriptions in there. So it's something you should start doing now because it could take you five to ten hours, depending on how much stuff's on your CV, to do it and to review it and to, you know, double check it and everything. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I wanted to make sure you agreed with me before I commented on it. But <laughs> I, I also... Well, I know you well enough by now. I know what you, what you agree with. And I think, you know, you could just take a little bit each night, fill out a section, maybe take an hour one night, fill out a section, go to the next one the next night, and then kind of go back and review it like you were saying. Yeah, I think that's a great idea because it can get frustrating it's busy work. Let's just, let's just face it. It's busy work. You're not really doing something new. You're just putting something from one spot into another spot and expanding upon it. So it can get very frustrating and tedious. This is what impacted me. I got frustrated with it. That's why I stopped doing it. So don't let that happen. Don't let mistakes happen because you're trying to rush through it or you're not taking it seriously. So another part of the forecast application is going to be adding reference writers. So let's talk about reference writers real quick in relation to forecasts. So do you, when do you think they should be reaching out to reference writers? Hopefully they've tried to secure some of those already, but if not, I'd probably suggest to go ahead and do so. If they have already secured those writers, when should they be following up with them, adding them to the portal, things like that? If hopefully they have, it's okay if they have not. Like if you haven't added or talked to your reference writers, that's okay. I would do so ASAP. What do you think? Like, right now as soon as you hear this yeah absolutely i think i think that that definitely needs to be something that comes to the forefront as we're about a month away from really when reference writers are going to be submitting some of these in my opinion mhm and we've heard from rpds and reference writers that they'll some of them only take a set number like they limit the number they'll do so you don't want to be the last one to ask them for a reference and the more considerate you are of your reference writers as they are trying to get ready, wrap up their year and get ready for the holidays, you don't want to make somebody feel like they're having to go out of their way to do something for you 
and that might reflect in the actual content of the letter itself. So you want to be punctual, get them, ask for them now. Now, if you let's say you've already got them, Taylor, you've already you've you've already asked them throughout the summer and your APPEs, you know who they are, they've agreed to do it because this episode's releasing November the 22nd. I don't think it's necessary to send them an email right now because it's about to be Thanksgiving break, but I'd say the next week around the 29th, just remind them that they agreed to be your reference writer because some of them may not have written it down or, or remembered who all asked them to be reference writers, but send them an email, say, thanks so much for agreeing to write me a reference letter. Here's what I'm about to do. Here's my next steps. Here's what my timeline looks like in terms of when I would actually know exactly what what programs I'm going to apply to. What else do you think they should do with their reference writers? Yeah, I think just kind of touch base with them and put that contact out again. You might have not talked to them for a few months. I've had some students already reach out to me, and I think that's good. But just touch base and kind of update them like you were saying. Say, hey, I'm going to be attending mid-year if that's something that you're going to be doing. Or, hey, I actually know my list of programs that I'm applying to, and I'm not going to mid-year, so I can go ahead and add you. Is there anything else that you need in order to write my letter? just kind of touch base with them because some of them will request specific things from you as a candidate. And so it's better to kind of get a feel for that earlier on before we get into Christmas break and things as deadlines approach. If the reference writers don't ask for anything, do you think there's something besides just saying, hey, these are the programs I want you to write to? Do you think there's something the, the candidate should send those reference writers to help make their letters more personal or something like that? Yeah, I think it's good to just ask a reference writer to specific because so forecast will make you comment. And if you've if you've seen the forecast letter of recommendation form, it'll ask you to comment in, I believe, at least three areas out of 15 or so. And so if you have somebody that you think would be a good attestation to you in a certain area, I think it's maybe good to say, hey, could you focus on these areas for me in this letter? Because some reference writers may elect not to comment on all those areas, whereas some will write in every area. But, you know, you can have them focus on a certain area and maybe spend a little bit more time in that area. For example, if you have if you worked in a pharmacy and you're asking a a boss to write a letter for you, you could have them comment specifically on some of your teamwork or communication skills. Or if you have a clinical preceptor, you want them to comment on your patient care or clinical skills. That would be, you know, something good. But I think also something that I ask students to send me is kind of just an overarching sense of what their career goals are, what they're hoping to get out of residency, why they are applying to that specific program. And so I think that that would be reasonable to, even if a reference writer does not ask you for, you could go ahead and send that type of information because I think it's helpful when they're crafting their letter on why they think you would be a good residency candidate. They can kind of use that as leverage or or things to support their letter as well. What do you think? Well, I was going to ask you a follow-up question. So forecast, when you're in there and you're putting in the contact information for your reference writers, it allows you to send them essentially a blank form that you title. So you could say, this PGY1 program, hospital system, whatever. 
and you can send them that and they'll know I'm writing a reference for this system, this thing. And you could you could essentially send them a different application for every single program you're applying to. You can also send them a more generic thing that says general PGY1. If you're a student going through putting this together, how are you supposed to determine whether or not to send a generic letter or when to ask your reference writers to write specific letters for specific programs? That's a great question. And I think it, uh, I think the answer I'm going to give kind of a, not a one way or the other, but I think it kind of depends. One, I think it depends on the reference writer themselves and their capacity and workload during that time. Uh, Maybe they don't have time to craft, you know, more of an individual letter for a specific program. I know I like to have them send me individual letters for each program just because I can take what they send me of why they're interested in that program. I can comment on their specific skills that would align with that program and use that in my letter of reference in those comments that don't carry forward to each form. So I think that can be helpful in helping your reference writer kind of frame your reference for that particular program. Now, I know not everybody does that. And so I think it's kind of a conversation you could even just have with your reference writer because what they could do end up doing is just submitting the same thing for each each individual program, which is not a it's not a big deal because it all all the comments and everything carries forward. So I don't think that's a huge issue. But I do think one one area I'd say you definitely need to have an individual program assigned is for that reference writer is if that program specifically is asking for something in addition to the the forecast form for the reference writer to comment on. So I know some, I've seen some applications or programs ask for specific comments on certain attributes of the candidate that maybe aren't encompassed specifically in the form. So that would be kind of a situation where I would consider definitely sending an individual reference. I'd like to add to what you were saying, Taylor. Say you want to, you're, you're on the fence with whether or not you want to do a pediatric residency or a general residency that has pediatrics there, or maybe even just general residency. And so those programs that are like in pediatric hospitals, that might be one, a good one to separate out because you don't want to you give the opportunity for the reference writer to talk about some of your skills that they've witnessed when you take care of pediatric patients or just to kind of mold some of the things to pediatrics if that's the case. So it's not just all adult care, adult care, adult care. Like you were saying too, if the, if the reference writer knows the program, that would be another one to send them a special one on so they can individualize those comments to that program if they would like to, which once again, they have the choice to carry the comments forward if, if they don't want to do that. And we'll link, you talked about the form, we'll link the form in the show notes, which you can send to your reference writers if they request it to see what it looks like ahead of time, or you can just review and see kind of how they're doing. Because the reference letter is that misconception because it's not a letter. It's a, it's almost like a survey. Yeah, it's just a general form that they have to fill out. They rank you on it on certain attributes or characteristics, kind of talk about capacity in which they know you. And I think it's good from your standpoint as a candidate or as an applicant to know what's on the form because then you can ask your reference writers specifically to comment on a certain area in that form that might kind of set you apart or that you think that you excel in. Mm -hmm. So do that now. Take home point. Do that now. 
get your reference writers now so you can start lining that up and then send them their stuff, you know, based on showcase and, and those things. Don't wait until mid-December to ask for a reference. It's just, it sometimes doesn't go over too well. Sometimes you can't get in contact with the reference writer because of the holidays. So next on the agenda, let's talk about CVs because that's part of the application content that you'll have to upload. I know we kind of talked about some of the general entry stuff that you have to upload, but in terms of CV, what, what are your perceptions or thoughts about, you know, what they should be doing now with your CV to get it ready for forecasts? Oh yeah, definitely add in all the rotations you've had and the ones that are going to conclude in December. So go ahead and add those as if you did them just so it's, it's ready to go. Cause by the time these programs see those CVs, you will have completed that rotation. Make sure you're adding in your future rotations, where those rotations are, who they're with. I like on my CV, I like to do a thing where I'm saying completed APPEs to be completed APPEs. And I separate them out like that. You can, you know, you can do however you want and make sure you list who you're with and why. Cause say you didn't have a lot of clinical rotations beforehand. They want to know that you're going to get those at least in the future or the more clinical rotations they can see you're going to do in the future. looks good. Programs are just going to want to see what rotations you have. It helps them determine, you know, what's going to happen between now and when they actually start my, my residency. So have that in there, be complete on that. Just make sure the CV is up to date. Everything's up to date. Give it a once over, send it to a peer. This is now's the time to be sending it to your faculty. I know I've already gotten a couple emails from students asking if I can review their CV and their letter of intent. So send that CV to a faculty or mentor, ask if they will review it for you. And so you get that feedback before you put it in there. There might be stuff you're missing. There might be errors in it. You know, you want it to be clean and concise. What else do you got about CVs? Yeah, I would just, one, refer our listeners back to episode 14, where Dr. Bobby Helmer joins us and talks about necessary items to put on your CV. So there's more in-depth conversation about that there. But again, I was just going to add and kind of echo what you were saying about what they should be doing in terms of now is there's not going to be a lot of time to, to do certain things to add to your CV, but make sure everything that you have done is added and that you can speak to all of those things and, and send those to a mentor even your reference writers could review your CV. So just get that reviewed and polished as nicely as you can. Let's talk about the thing that worries students the absolute most is transcripts. <laughs> so let's try to settle some fears and some anxiety related to transcripts. Yeah, so I guess just starting with what the fear is, to in case you're not worried about that and you need something <laughs> else to be worried about, the fear is always, you know, are they going to get my transcripts in on time because they're not going to be updated with the fall semester grades and they're due by the time that I have to upload all my stuff and everything. So the first thing to just to say is uh, it's going to be okay. It'll all work out. It will out. be we've, okay. <clears throat> we have, we've done, we've dealt with this before with, and registrar offices are, are used to it. So what I usually tell students to do is, you know, go ahead now and, submit a request to your registrar offices to upload or send your CV to forecast and they can go ahead and upload that version. I think it's usually about 10 to 20 bucks for each request. And then at the end of the fall semester, you know, your, your faculty is well aware that a lot of you are going to be applying for residency and that you need to have grades updated. So they'll try to get that updated as soon as possible. And then at that point, 
go ahead and submit another request to your registrar's office before they close for the holidays. And they should be able to get an updated version of your transcript sent before um, those deadlines are due. But know that it's going to be okay. Yeah. And even if, even if they don't get there by the deadline of a program, what happens is your profile is in the electronic space. It doesn't send like a PDF version of your profile and that's it. It, they access the forecast version of your profile. It just links it to it, to these programs essentially. And so if your transcripts come in on January 15th, but the deadline for the program was January 1st, then the program will still get your transcripts on January 15th. They'll be, if they access your profile, they'll still see it. So don't not submit. I know there's some programs that have deadlines of like December 31st, which is seems like really soon. And that can be very anxiety driven when your your transcripts not in go ahead and if you want to apply to that program apply to it because they probably won't start looking at your materials the next day i mean it's new year's day but it will come in when it when it gets there so don't not apply to a program and a lot of times programs will see the the profiles and it'll say pending transcripts or they're putting it in and they'll be able to just kind of review that you know the next day because it takes a couple days for programs to go through all these even a week or so to go through all these applicants profiles so they have time and i was just going to say and i think programs are are you know well aware of the process and used to it being kind of last minute as far as transcripts being sent in and updated so Fret not. It'll be okay. Transcripts are the Achilles heel of forecast. So lastly, I want to kind of touch on deadlines and when programs deadlines are. So let's just chat a little bit about, you know, when deadlines usually are. I'm sure many are well aware, but just to have a general discussion about that. Ooh, let's do chat about this. The uh, So <laughs> question for you, what's the earliest you've ever seen a program? And what's the latest you've seen a program deadline? I think I've seen one maybe December 28th, 29th. It's pretty early. That is but early. But latest I've seen is maybe January 15th. I don't see much later than that. I feel like most are going to be like January 1st through 5th mm-hmm. is probably where I see the majority. What yeah, do you think? I, I, well, I concur. I think uh, the earliest I've seen was December 30th. And, uh, and the latest I've seen was actually our PGY1 program here is J- January the 15th. And until you said it, I thought that was pretty unique, but it sounds like some a lot of programs do that. So you're, you're clearly going to have a range of deadlines. So should you just piecemeal submit these forecast applications and maybe put them together little bit by little bit as these deadlines approach? Or is there a better way to do it? What's your opinion on it? My opinion is that if you are able to go ahead and submit all of them at the same time, hopefully you've had all of your letter letters of intent updated and that your reference writers, if you've had individual requests for each program, have updated all of those. Usually I know as I, as a reference writer, will just like to do all of them regardless of one deadline is January 15th or January 1st. I'll just go ahead and get it all submitted before the first deadline. So if you can, try to just go ahead and do it all at once so you're not forgetting as you go through or else you're going to be logging back in multiple times to try to resubmit it or submit the next one when it's due, when you could just you know, have more of a peace of mind that it's all already done. 
Yeah, especially when you've got all these deadlines that you're worried about on your calendar and each of a different day and it can get jumbled and forgetful. I like your advice about take the earliest deadline, try to get them all done before that deadline. Everything's been input. The stuff we talked about first, everything should be input there. Your CV's all uploaded. Your transcripts are in. You should have, unless you have like a reference writer for a unique program that's just delayed and that program has a later deadline, you should essentially have all your reference letters in or references in. So you can just submit it to all the programs at the same time and just be done with it and then take that sigh of relief and and enjoy the little bit that's remaining of your holiday if it's still there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one thing just to, you know, as we were talking about submitting and, and everything, one thing I would just caution to double check, triple check, probably even quadruple check is when you're uploading your letters of intent, you're uploading your specific application for a, a certain program, just double check that you are uploading the correct reference letter of intent everything that's addressed to the right program. Even if you've named it, named the file and the file name shows that it's correct, go ahead and click on it. Make sure that you don't, you didn't that's just rename it. Say. Because sometimes those mistakes happen. We're all human. So just just make sure that you cross your T's and you dot your I's before you hit that orange submit button. Because after you do that, you can't take it back. <laughs> You cannot take it back. Make sure you double, triple. Yeah, I, I love that you said click on the file name because I know for a fact I've I've mislabeled mislabel- files. And when you go into it, I'm like, this is not, especially when you're dealing with 15 versions of something. I mean, it's uh, make sure you're organized in your files. So so it's just easier for you to stay organized on the, on the back end as you go through it. Don't don't put everything in one single file. Try to categorize your files on your computer and everything. So it's good to go. Yeah. The the last thing I want to say is is a lot of students wonder when will they hear back. You've done all this work, you submit it. You know when when are you going to hear from these programs? So most programs aren't going to look at your stuff until they come back in in early January, and then they probably spend the first one to two weeks. Just depends on how big the program is, how many applications they get, how many interviews they do. But usually within the first week, first one to two weeks, they've already reviewed, met as a committee and and screened applicants and decided who they want to give interviews to. And then those interviews should be coming out early end of January, not early January, but the end of January. Some programs, which may have like a January 15th date, might be in the early February when you might see an email from them. Typically hear from programs pretty soon because March approaches really fast. Yeah, I'd say most programs are going to be contacting you third or fourth week of January. Um, If you have applied to the same program as maybe one of your friends and they hear on Monday of one week that they got an interview, don't be discouraged if you haven't heard anything yet. They might have um, invites come out in waves. So you might hear the next day or a couple days later. I've seen that happen. Um, But I'd say by the time, you know, it gets to, Mid-February, definitely, if you haven't heard anything, um, it's probably fine to assume that you are not going to be invited for an interview at that point because there's just not enough time before rank order lists and everything are due. So um, you can probably expect most of your invitations for interviews to come out third, fourth week of January, maybe the first week of February at the latest. Any last minute tips or advice 
Sean, from a forecast standpoint? My tip would be to try to get this stuff done as much as you can right around mid-year, before mid-year, soon after. So you, I mean, you've had a stressful year. You've been on APPEs, you're worrying about residency. It's going to be a stressful couple months coming up. Make sure you're trying to block that time around the holidays with family that you can really take with the family because it's you're not going to get another break until you graduate and then you're going to be worried about tests and everything like that and going into residency. So so take that time, take that break, enjoy your family. Don't try to work through it. Don't spread this out so much. You're doing it every single day. You're on break. You know, try to get a lot of it done, block that time, and then worry about it again after the holidays around New Year's. What about you? You got any tips? That was going to be my exact tip. So just to kind of provide some other advice besides that, I would just say when you are filling out this and you are taking the time to fill out forecasts, make sure that you really take your time and try to do a good job. You know, you only get to do this hopefully just one time. I mean, you might do it again, but hopefully this is the only time you're going to have to do this. So just put your best foot forward. I mean, it, it, it does seem tedious at times and stressful, but in the end, you're going to be thankful, you know, when you get that position and you f- wake up on match day that you spent the extra time to to fill out those forms. If you want to continue to hear up-to-date topics from us and our guests, please like and subscribe. You can listen to us for free on your favorite podcast app and check out our show notes below to see links and highlights of the episode. And remember, you can separate and stand out.